you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. As always, without our audience of 15 years, we couldn't do it without you because otherwise I'd just be sitting here talking to Mike, talking to myself, which is pretty much what I do on Fridays around here is sit and talk to all my other personalities and uh, and try and keep the one that always says kill, kill, kill from doing anything more that's going to add more ankle bracelets to me. I get one of them off next week. <laughs> we wrote that, Joe, a couple shows ago last week. <laughs> the multiple ankle bracelets, because that's what makes it funnier. Uh, so there you go. We improve on callback jokes every now on the show. For 15 years, folks, we bring the CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the brilliant authors, the minds, and all that stuff. And guess what? None of them are me, and that's why you're a guest on the show. And they, you have a book, eh? So there you go. And we, uh, and so they come to you, and they part their stories of life life, their journeys, their their cathartic times, the things that they've mastered, and they help you improve the quality of your life by mastering them. And you embark in what we call the Chris Foss Show Glow, which, uh, I don't know, I think we're making a coffee called that or something. Who knows? We'll find out later. We have an amazing gentleman on the show, and uh, before we get to him, also, we got to do the plugs. Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, the big LinkedIn newsletter, the 130,000 LinkedIn group, uh, Chris Foss, one on TikTokity, and Chris Foss, Facebook.com. He is an amazing author who's joining us on the show today. Carl Grant the third joins us. We couldn't book one and two or number four, but we booked the third one. He is the author of the newest book that uh, has just come out December 11th, 2023. Hot off the presses. You can still get high on that print smell. Does anybody do that anymore? Or maybe you could try doing that on Kindle. The book is called How to Live an Abundant Life. Because that sounds like a fun thing to do. Carl Grant III is a married father of five adult children and a man of faith. He is a successful entrepreneur and servant leader who lives in Austin, Texas. He is the chairman of a company that is working to eradicate diseases previously thought to be incurable. Hopefully one of them is stupidity. Carl enjoys fitness, boating, aviation, live music, and world travel. He's currently spending significant amounts of time in the Middle East, building bridges between the East and West. Good luck with that. He founded two workplace ministries, Sunday service at South by Southwest and the High Tech Prayer, and spent 20 years volunteering in juvenile detention centers. I probably met him. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome to the show, Carl. How are you? Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. There you go. Now my audience is checking my, my rap sheet. So there you go. Give us your .com, Carl, so if you can find you on the interwebs. Just to follow, follow me on, on Instagram. Good place to find me. Carl.grant.iii. There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of what's inside your new book and what it entails. Yeah, Chris. So I spent most of my life doing professional services business development, meaning that I, I was the first business development hire at PricewaterhouseCoopers where I grew the market share there by 33%. And then I was global head of business development at Cooley for 20 years. When I got to the firm, we had 310 million in revenue annually. And when I left, we had over 2 billion in revenue. Wow. When I left after 20 years, I initially embarked upon writing a business book 
about how I did what I did in those jobs. And as I sat down to put you know, pen to paper, I really got to thinking about how I did what I did, what worked, and the fact that that's really a niche audience. Like, There's not too many people that are going to you know, try to sell accounting and legal services. So I, I really started to think about how I applied those principles that made me successful at work, at home, and in the community. And so I expanded the scope of the book to talk about your life, right? Because, because a lot of what I did in those jobs to be successful was contrary to human nature. And that's the approach that I take in the book. It's really, if you think about, you want something from somebody else, is your way to get that thing from that other person going and asking for it? No, it's, it's actually not. It's, it's actually being giving towards that other person. And, and if, you're, if you're giving in all aspects of your life, at home, in the community, in your work life, you find that people want to give back to you. And, mm-hmm. and so it's really kind of a, a contrary view that most people take in business books of how to sell things and how to do things. There you go. And as we talked about in your biography, you know, you espouse a servant leadership, which I think a lot of people are still adopting to or adapting to. You can pick your words, people. Go for it. And, you know, we talk about a lot on the show, since leadership's a favorite topic of mine, in, in being a servant leader. And, and I think a lot of that's changing in the business environment and every place else. Give us a little bit of your history, Carl, in your words. You know, what's your journey through life? What got you involved in the things you did? What shaped you? Who hurt you as a child? No, I'm just Yeah, so I, I, was, I was a bad kid, just like you, Chris. But uh, so I was, I was a complete atheist until the age of 24. Hmm. And so I just did whatever I wanted to do. There were no bounds on my life whatsoever. And I was a very selfish person. And while in grad school, I, I came to faith. And that's really where things started to change for me. When you talk about servant leadership, mm-hmm. I remember when I first opened the Bible and I saw a Bible verse that said, quoting Jesus, he who wishes to be first must be last and servant of all. That blew my, that just blew my brain. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, and I had to try to think about what does that look like? right? Because mm-hmm. who doesn't want to be first? But how yeah. can you be last and servant of all? And so I was a military officer at this point in my life. And I, and I was really trying to, I, I just, that verse stopped me dead in my tracks because I wanted to know what that looked like. And I thought about as an officer in the military, you're hungry just like everybody else. But when it's time to eat, you don't go and eat first. You put your soldiers in front of you, you feed them first. Mm-hmm. You eat last. That's yeah. what it's like to be last and servant of all. And if you mm-hmm. take that approach in every aspect of what you do with your family, you know, if you, if you go me, 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 you know, and, and I'm going to do everything for myself, it, it doesn't work well. And so instead, like in my personal finances, right, I put, I put God first. I, 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 I give 10% of what I get. And then I've got five kids and a wife, you know, and, and horses and you got a lot of giving there. A dog, right? You know, and so, and so my whole life has been giving, giving, giving. And you know mm-hmm. what? Through that, I found abundance, right? And, and mm-hmm. so many people I know have all of these horrible problems. They're thinking about all of their problems. And I look at them, I'm like, you know what? I don't have time to have problems. I got yeah. every, I'm dealing with everybody else's problems. Grant, so, or Carl, know. you got to quit following my Facebook feed. And then you won't see other people have all the problems. <laughs> I'm just sorry. Sorry to give the joke in. (laughs) It's, you know, this is, it's real stuff, but I, but you know, it it took me, I lived it for, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm 57 years old now. I've, I've I've lived it. Right. And then doing this book, it was really a time of reflection. Just looking Mm -hmm. back, like, I've had a really good life. 
a really happy life. And it wasn't because I was trying to get personally rich. It wasn't because I was trying to get everything for me. It's because I was pouring myself out into my family and then into my volunteer work. I, you know, I, for 20 years, I went and I led church services in a juvenile detention center. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go and you visit people whose problems are a lot bigger than yours, it, it makes whatever you're dealing with seem so small in comparison. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the time that I, I went into the detention center and normally it's, it's mainly guys in there. There mm. might be a one female, maybe two, you know, this time it was all females and really, yeah. And, and you know what? We finished early this time because the girls don't cut up like the guys do. Right. Yeah. And so we were done and rather than just leave, you know, we had like 10 minutes left. I said, does anybody want prayer? And I never did this again, Chris. Because I never opened myself up like this. When, when these girls came to pray with us individually, one of them told me that her dad was dying of AIDS. Wow. And because she's in the jail and I don't know what was wrong with their other sibling, he was all alone. And, you know, that really, that really you know, that hurt me, you know, thinking about that. And then the, the next girl came and she said, my mother was beat into a coma by her boyfriend. Jesus. And I can't be there with her because I'm stuck in jail. And, wow. it, and it went on and on and on, Chris. And, and when I thought about what these poor kids were dealing with in their personal life, other than the fact they were in jail, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, really, it really was hard to deal with. So it was almost too much, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to be in a group setting and share with them, but taking on the burdens of one after another after another, you know, our burdens are pretty light compared to what some people are dealing with in the world. So I'll stop. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's indicative. You know, if you study why most people are in prison, their, their childhood lives aren't that great. And we need, we need to fix that first, probably to quit filling our prisons. So you, you've done a lot of different things. You, you have a company called Capital Raise. Tell us about what you're doing there. Yeah. So over the 25 years I spent in the marketplace, getting to know companies and getting to know investors. So I, I, I Figured out very early on when I was when I was selling accounting services for PricewaterhouseCoopers that nobody wants to buy accounting services. Like audits are like the most boring thing. I'm, I'm married to an auditor; <laughs> she's beautiful. But 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 Did you just call your wife to, boring? I'm no no no. She, I'm she's beautiful. But but huh. nobody well, wants to buy an audit. Like any successful company is going to need an audit at some point in time, <laughs> oh. but nobody wants to buy one. And 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 so what I did was I figured out that we audited most of the venture funds in the country. And, and if I could be the conduit between the emerging companies and the money, then everybody loved me. And so yeah. I got to know all these investors through, through two years at PwC, two years at, at Fairfax County, 20 years at Cooley. And because I knew all these investors, I was a very popular guy in, in the business community. And so as I left my last job, I built a LinkedIn-like platform that has all of my investor connections. Oh, and wow. And it has a matching algorithm that matches their investment criteria with companies. When they build a profile on the platform, we can look in there and see on a percentage basis who is the best match for their company and make those referrals. And so I'm doing that business with my son, which is pretty cool because as you've already established, there is a Carl Grant the fourth. And so we're kind of interchangeable. And uh, and so he works on these, you know, we, we share an email address and he, he works on the referrals. He's actually getting to know all the not all of the investors yet, but a lot of the investors himself. And so, you know, we're we're able to get companies to the right investors pretty efficiently. There you go. We'll have him on the show when he puts out a book. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, just do them all. We, we were talking with the Tom Clancy people the other day, last week, and we've had everybody on but Tom Clancy, and we're joking that maybe we can get a, an AI virtual thing of Tom Clancy so we can make sure we, we've, we've had everybody on the show for the Tom Clancy teams. So there you go. Now, you have another company, I believe, that you run as well. Right, or I think you're involved in it. Do I have that right? Connexa Partners. Oh, Connexa Partners is my consulting company. So yeah, okay. since I since I've grown all that revenue for these these big firms, I have other firms that want to engage me to figure out how I did that. Mm-hmm. I'll go in and I'll do business development training for professional services companies. I've done a large law firm, a large investment bank. I'm doing one of the big four coming up soon. So it's it's something I really enjoy doing. And then and then I get engaged by some of them to come in and help them actually write plans and execute plans. And, uh, and so I, I don't want to go back doing that full time, Chris, I did it long enough, but I don't mind coming in spending, you know, a day to a week working with companies to help them improve their business development. There you go. One thing you talk about in your book is finding your purpose and letting it guide your actions is critical. Talk to us about why that's important. What does it mean to find my purpose? What is my purpose? I mean, my purpose today is to get tacos later. But uh, that doesn't sound like what you're talking about. Well, we really do a, a deep dive on that. And so, I, you know, to, to, do, to do that topic thoroughly, we're not going to be able to do it in a few minutes. Just tease it, man. We're not asking yeah, you to write the book we, on the yeah, show, we, 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 we tease it out. And, <laughs> there and you go. A lot, of, a lot of people wonder, you know, or, or they don't, they feel like they don't have a purpose, right? That's mm-hmm. one of the things that we start out, like, you know, people enter life and they say, I was a mistake, you know, my parents weren't married or, or I wasn't wanted or whatever, you know, and, and, and we dispel that notion. Right. Have you been talking uh, to my parents? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. So the jokes we <laughs> so, do on the show. So we 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 start from the very basics, right? Where 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 we establish that everybody's created. God has created all of us for a purpose, and sometimes we need to figure out what that purpose is. And so it, I, I walk through how I found what I was meant to be doing. I never set out to do professional services business development. It's, I mean, that sounded boring to me, mm-hmm. honestly. So I, I, I remember when I got a phone call when I was working in this uh, government job doing uh, capital attraction for Fairfax County Economic Development Authority, Pricewaterhouse and Coopers, the two large accounting firms then were merging to create the largest professional services organization in the world. And I was the very first person they hired to go out and sell their mm-hmm. services. And I never thought I wanted to do that. When, in fact, when I got the call, I'm like, I don't think I want to do that. And the woman then told me what they were going to pay me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a lot more than I was making. That's how I got involved in OnlyFans. I'm just yeah, kidding. I don't. <laughs> don't don't do that, Chris. It's a callback Sorry. joke we use on the show. Right, right now. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Don't do that. So don't do that. I, uh, when I when I started to do it, I actually found that I was very good at it. And so mm-hmm. sometimes you have to take your cues others to figure out what your purpose is. Like, for example, public speaking is something that terrified me. I remember when I was in graduate school in my mid-20s, and, and they, they joked about having us get up in front of the whole class and, and, and give an impromptu speech. I was terrified of that. And then later in life, I would have asked, people asking me to, to speak on something. For example, the, the scariest thing I could, ever, where I could ever imagine speaking is is giving the sermon at church. Like, think about that. That's a serious thing to do. And I was asked to do it. And mm-hmm. I did it. And then afterwards, I had people actually come up to me and say, that was really good. You were yeah. really good. And so sometimes you have to take your cues from other people to say, oh, 
you should be doing this or you're a good speaker. For example, you know, taking cues from others. I wanted to be able to play guitar and sing. I, I went to this Luke Bryan concert way back when he was just getting started and he blew my socks off. That dude could sing and play the guitar so well. I was in a private little reception where he was playing. And so I got on my phone and ordered a guitar and I, I started taking voice lessons and started, you know, playing the guitar on YouTube. And after doing this for a year and a half, my wife said, you know, maybe you had to give it up. Oh, <laughs> I know. Ouch. And yeah. I just didn't have the gift. Like as much as I thought that the, you know, these company bumpkins, I can't be that, this can't be that hard to do this. Right. But it is like, if you don't have the gift, yeah. forget it. But you know what? I've got the gift of speaking and I, and I, I had to, I had to try it and had to have people show, you know, tell me that I was good at it. And so look, now I'm a writer, I'm a speaker. I train people on how to do things. These are all things that I never set out to do. They're things that I found along the way. And so I, I take, I take the readers through a journey of, of how to figure out what you're good at and then lean into those things and, and how to listen to others as they let them know. Sometimes you don't see it in yourself, right? Like most of us are pretty insecure. You get up and speak. You don't know that you were a good speaker. I didn't know that I was a good speaker, but you hear it enough from people as you do it. And you're like, man, maybe I'm a good speaker. <laughs> so I was just invited to go to Pakistan and speak in front of thousands of people. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty daunting thing to do, Chris. I mean, yeah. I, plus I, I if you don't the, do it well, they'll shoot at you probably. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the only American in this room. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. and you're speaking back. on a topic way out of your comfort zone and to people that you don't know. And, and boy, you better be good at what you're doing or else uh, you're going to bomb. There you go. There you go. Finding purpose is so important. I find that to be something it seems like a lot of people are listless now. You know, they're looking at Instagram and they think that, I don't know, chasing Kardashians is their purpose. A lot of young men or or men I find that don't seem to find their purpose till their midlife crisis in life. They think it's one thing and it's another. It seems to be what a lot of our young men have issues with is finding a purpose in life. You know, a lot of a lot of people are thinking, you know, I need to, you know, if I find this, it will fix my problems. If I do this, it will fix my problems. If someone else will, if I find someone else, it will fix my problems. It's like, no. And finding your purpose is so important. What your, what your goal is in life, especially as a man, because as men, it's our job to live our purpose. I mean, we're, we're designed to spend a whole lifetime building ourselves and creating something that contributes to society and serve society, really. And, and and Chris, it's not it's not just one purpose. Your purpose can change over time. Yeah. Right? For 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 twenty years, I was meant to do one thing. I did it well. Mm-hmm. And at, at the twentieth anniversary, my time there was done. It was very clear I was meant to move on. And now I have a new purpose. And and you touched on it in the Middle East, you know. And 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 that's that's a daunting new purpose. But I just got back from Saudi Arabia. I mean, I. I'm going back to, I've been to Pakistan twice this year. I've been to Saudi Arabia once and I'm going back to Pakistan and Saudi Arabia next year early. And, and I, I, I do have a mission there. And, you know, it, it's, you have to be comfortable like moving and changing when your purpose changes. And another thing people do in their, you know, in their life is they get their identity tied up in a job, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when that job comes to an end, I have a neighbor who, who had a, I'm not going to say too much about him because I don't want to call him out on this podcast, but, but he, he had a big, important job and his oh. identity was tied up in that job. And, it, and when the mandatory retirement came too early, it was over. 
and and he had no identity left. And oh. and and he went back home and he ended up divorced. And oh. you know, it's kind of a sad story, right? And so you gotta have a purpose that's more than your job, right? It's it's mm-hmm. gotta be more than your job. So I find my identity in Christ. I'm I'm a Christian, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I and then I find identity in my family as well, right? I'm a family mm-hmm. man. I'm I'm a father of five kids and a, and a husband of 29 years, and and you know, I and I hope I hope that that, that marriage stays with me until I die. But things happen, right? People pe- people pass away and they lose people. But but until you know, until that sacred bond ends, you know, that's part of my identity. I find my identity in the community, right? I'm a, I'm a member of a church. I'm a member of an initiative here. I told you we, we started the largest event at South by Southwest Interactive last year. You know, I, it, it, I'm involved in a lot of things that, mm-hmm. that round me out and give me an identity that's way beyond myself or any job. There you go. There you go. I mean, you have to find your purpose. What makes your identity? It's it, it it's really important in life to understand these things. And I don't think a lot of people sit down and really give it some thought. They just kind of, you know, life, social, you know, constructs, hand them stuff. We'll just do this. You know, my favorite line is those lines from Fight Club where, you know, they're sitting in the bathroom, Ed Norton and Brad Pitt, and they're like, so what did your dad tell you to do? I mean, I'm just paraphrasing, but you know, he told me to go to school. And uh, so I went to school and then, and then I called him up later and said, what do I do now, dad? He goes, uh, get a job. You got a job. What do I do now? I, I got married. You know, a lot of people don't think about these things. They just kind of step through them and maybe they don't think of them from like you do from the purpose of, you know, identity and different things, but it's really important. One thing you talk about in your book too, challenging your assumptions and taking on difficult, risky tasks that sharpen your ability to achieve tough goals. Why, why is uh, challenging your assumptions important? So I like to do things that seem impossible to do, right? Not, not that everybody has to do it. I mean, it could be, it'd be climbing a mountain or something, but, but I, I wanted to fly airplanes. Uh-huh. No, I don't, nobody in my family flew airplanes. I didn't have any pilots in my family, you know, so I, I, I set out to do that. It took me a long time to do. I started out right out of college and I, I passed the written test. I soloed and then life happened. You know, I got, I got into graduate school. I got busy, ran out of time and money, got married, had kids, like no time to fly airplanes, no, no money to fly airplanes. But when my kids started to get to a point where they didn't need me to spend their, you know, every waking hour with them, I went back to flying and I didn't, I didn't finish it until I was in my forties. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was one of those bucket list things. It's, yeah. it's not impossible to do something. If you want to do it, it's possible to do it. You got to, but you got to set little goals and, 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 and achievable goals, right? Passing the written test, getting back. Actually, you know, an interesting happen, thing happened. I, I, uh, when I got married, I had a lot of trouble sleeping and I, and I, hmm. I have never talked about this before. I was prescribed benzos, benzodiazepines to help me sleep. Hmm. And I slept like a baby for 13 years. I slept great. But then when I wanted to fly, Chris, I went in and I, and I did the flight physical that I never had any problem passing. And they said, oh, you can't fly airplanes taking these things. And, and you talk about a challenge. I now was told I had to get off of these things, which I didn't necessarily want to because I was sleeping great. You're sleeping but well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Sleep, but they, didn't tell me, they didn't tell me when they, got, when, I, when they started giving me these things that, that they're, they're addictive. addictive. Mm-hmm. And it took me a whole year 
to get free of the the side effects. And so that is overcoming. That was one of the biggest challenges in my life because a lot of people can't get off of those things. I got off of them and, and, you know, praise, praise God I'm off of them today, but, but, you know, that made it even more challenging. And then, and then I, you know, to finally get my pilot's license, that was great. You know, another thing that I, I talk about in the book was when I was a kid, I didn't really apply myself in school. So going to Harvard was not something that was even in the cards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as I started going through life in, in working in the venture capital space, most of the people I worked with went to Harvard, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I thought to myself, well, you never could go to Harvard before, but why not now? And so mm-hmm. I actually got into an executive education program at Harvard and had my company pay for it. You know, flying an airplane, going to Harvard, those things are possible. It might be it might be just walking a mile or, or, or having some goal that you you have to do. It doesn't have to be some grandiose thing like what I've I've stated. But but I you know having those goals, writing a book. I mean that's a daunting thing. That is. A daunting I, I mean goal. I, I couldn't imagine ever writing a book. I I, I could write an essay, but mm-hmm. a book. You know, and so the fact that I've got one up behind me right now that just shows it's not impossible to do these things if you set a goal for yourself and you give yourself bite size little pieces that you can do, write a chapter, write another chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Edit the book. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it took me three years to do it, but it's done. And I'm here talking to you about it. And so there you go. my encouragement to, to the readers is, is there are things that you can do. There are, there are things that are unique to you that you can do. And, and I talk you through a way to, to get yourself out of your comfort zone to do them because life is so much more exciting when you have a goal of something to accomplish, Chris. It it definitely is. And assuming that you can't do it, it's going to hold you back and limit your life. You know, I'm doing that right now. I'm writing my second book. We're doing, and I have a couple other people who've been on the show that we're doing an accountability group for writing a book. And this is how I got my first book written is we're, we're, we're keeping a spreadsheet and every day we have to check in and put down that we did how much time we put in doing the book, which usually the goal is to do an hour for each of us a day. So there's kind of some peer pressure, accountability. You know, I kind of need that in my life because otherwise I go get tacos, which is my purpose today. As I mentioned before. <laughs> And like you said, my purpose, your purpose can change. So today it is tacos, evidently. That's the callback joke on the show. Those are important. And I suppose, as you also talk about the book, developing a positive mindset to go along with that is important as well. A lot of people have negative thinking or what some people call stinking thinking. How do you make sure you clear that out of your head and cobwebs maybe that you have from maybe what you were taught by your parents as children? Only you control what goes through your brain. And and so I walk, I walk through how to get a hold of those those thoughts because if you if you it's like a negative loop you speak mm-hmm. negative words you think negative thoughts and, and if, if it's all you dwell on it and, and i've been guilty of this in the past it's, it's just taken years to figure this out chris and it, it's not something that comes naturally most of us have negative thoughts and so, you know one of the things that i've started to do and and this works for me there may be other things that work for other people but this is you replace those thoughts with other thoughts. And so something my wife and I started doing together is, is we wrote down all of the promises that God has made to us in the Bible. And we've, we've written them down and we've claimed them out loud. And now we've gotten to the point where those, those promises are ingrained in my brain. And so if a negative thought comes about, I can replace that negative tr- thought with the truth from God's word, right? Hmm. Not everybody's going to have the same faith as me. And so it may be other principles, but I, I apply principles like that. If you have bad thoughts, you got to replace them with good thoughts. 
And mm. if you're speaking negative thoughts about yourself, you got you got to change that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I see people who are my age, right, fifty seven years old, that look like they could be my grandfather. It's because they're saying I'm old. I don't even like to say that. I'm saying that as an example, but but you speak it upon yourself, right? Like, mm-hmm. why would you speak that upon yourself? I am getting younger and more 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 lively as I go on through life because I speak positive things over myself, right? I go into mm-hmm. the gym and I'm not saying you look old and decrepit. I'm saying you look great. You're getting better. You're getting stronger. You know, you you speak positive things over yourself. And, and you manifest that reality. It's, it's amazing go. how it works. I say, I say, you look great for an old decrepit guy. <laughs> Don't put that on me, Chris. I know. I shouldn't do that. I, I need to work on that, too. I've been feeling a little bit older, but uh, I seem to be doing well. I, can't, I really can't complain. I mean, I, I, I've lived a blessed life health-wise all my life. The brain, though, I don't know about the rest of that, but that's another story. So what have we talked about that's in your book that we can tease out to people to get them to pick it up? Let me go through some of the things I address. I, I address the mind. I address the spirit. I address the body, right? Mm-hmm. Personal growth plan, personal relationships, boundaries. Boundaries are important. A lot oh, of people yeah. don't put up proper boundaries. And if you don't put up proper boundaries, people will take, take all of your time away. So I talk a lot about that. I talk about abundance in the community and, and in the marketplace. So being likable. There's ways you can make people like you. And so we, we walk through some of those things developing character and building a legacy and, and becoming part of a community and, and, and developing a positive mindset. So mm-hmm. it, we try to take a very well-rounded approach. And then in each chapter, I have a, I have a little workbook type thing where you can go through and, and, and you know, make sure you're applying the principles that we talked about in the chapter to your life. There you go. One of the ways I found to get people like me, you know what? Bribery. <laughs> Just kidding. So part, a lot of it, Chris, is being. Oh, you're man. a tough audience, buddy. I yeah. love you. You know, I think you're funny, man. But yeah. you know, you you, you being being a giver and not a taker. That's a go. big part of this, right? You know, you when I sit down in the business community, and if if all the other person is looking for is what I can give them, it's 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 not a very exciting conversation, right? But but go. if I sit down with somebody who's out giving me, I'm like, oh. You need to know this guy. And let me introduce you to this person. And you know what? I know this organization and I can get you into there. You know, when when and when there's that mutual exchange of of two people trying to help each other out and advance each other's careers or what they're trying to accomplish, it's a beautiful thing, right? And so that's mm-hmm. something I've always tried to do, not just in the business world, but in my family, right? My kids, my kids want to advance in their lives. They want to get into college. They want to be successful as they as they're you know getting into their careers. I try to be helpful to them because you know if you're a blessing to someone else, they, they turn around, they want to be a blessing to you. This year I have all five of my kids coming home to be with me for Christmas. That's the mm-hmm. reward that you get for, you for being a blessing to other people. They want to be with you. Mm-hmm. I want to come to your house for Christmas. <laughs> Where's my invite? Let me ask you this though. I play devil's advocate a little bit. What happens, how do you manage it when you're a giver person, you're a servant leader, when people don't reciprocate, when there, there are people in the world that will take and there are vampires in the world that will take, how do you, how do you manage that in your mind? How do you think about that and not let it destroy your negative, neg- negatively affect your, your thought patterns? I, I do. At the end of the book, I, I do, I do talk about being strategic with your giving because you, you can't, give to, you can't give to the whole world. Right. Yeah. And so, and so 
I, you have to be purposeful with it and, and you and, and you have to be targeted mm -hmm. i can't help every 17 and under you know youth in the world but i was called to 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 help the, the kids that were in the juvenile detention center mm -hmm. in fairfax county and loudon county virginia for 20 years and you know there's 20 kids per month that i'm there to focus on and i, I don't want anything in return from those guys, right? Part yeah. of that is part of the beauty of this is, is giving to someone who has nothing to give back to you. And yeah. you know what? That, it doesn't matter if they're, if they're taking from you, it, it, you're, you're given to them and you know what? Your reward isn't having, my reward isn't in this lifetime, right? I, I'm, I'm helping those kids. If I can keep one of those kids from going into the, the big house, right? Like they're either in that juvenile detention center, they're either going to turn their life around because of somebody like me talking to them or mm -hmm. somebody else talking to them, or they're going to, they're going to end up dead, right? They're going to get out. They're going to, they're going to, somebody that end up, you know, overdosing on drugs, getting in, in, in gun fights, knife fights, or they're going to end up in the, in the jail where they're going to go up, you know, into the regular population. And that's not a good life. And so there if I can keep one of those kids out of there, my, my, I've received my reward. I'll never forget. I talk about it in the book. I, I went into a Chick-fil-A, Chick and there was this kid that came up to me, young person, just going on and on and on about their life. Like, like I'm doing this and that. I'm joining the army. I'm doing that. You know, he was so excited about all the positive things. I'm like, who is this kid? I, you know, maybe it's one of my, my kid's friends that I don't recognize. And then after he talked to me for a while, I realized it was one of those many kids that I administered to in the detention center. Oh, wow. And I'm like, man, you know. Sorry, I'm going to cry. I, I, I didn't know I was going to see it on this side of heaven, right? Like to see one of these kids that, that turned their life around like that. And, you know, that was the one that I saw. You know how many there must be out there that, that listened to what we said, took it to heart and made a change in their life? I don't want anything from that kid. I don't want anything at all. I mean, it was, it was more than enough just to see that he didn't end up in, in, in jail or dead. And, you know, it's, it's personally rewarding. It, it doesn't always have to be some sort of monetary reward or, or some sort of, you know, tit for tat. It's, it's not about that. I, there was one other kid when we were in there. I'll never forget. There's this kid was a big, mean-looking guy that I, I swore he was going to kill me if I got too close to him, right? It was, it was a serious-looking big 17-year-old kid. And, uh, and my partner who went in, he had the same reaction. Like, we don't want to get near this kid. And, and so for, for months, we would be in there sharing the good news with these kids and he did well, nothing but to come and just just be antagonistic towards us and and it, it, it's almost like he had an evil spirit in him but i watched over the course of the year because i don't know what that kid did to go get in there he, he but he had dropped out of high school he was out of everything and over the course of that year i watched that kid go from having a scowl on his face having a smile on his face to, wow. to being antagonistic to carrying a Bible into the service with him. And he had his mm -hmm. name engraved on it. I watched him re-enroll in high school. I watched him enroll in college and tell me that he was planning on joining the military when he got out. And wow. you know what? That kid who I wouldn't get near when he first, when I first walked in there, he hugged me. He yeah. hugged me on his last day in there. And you know what? He left that place never to be heard from again. Good. So I don't want squat from that kid. I can't even remember his name today, but you know what? Those are the kind of things that are personally rewarding in life. And so, yeah, you can't give to every 17-year-old kid or, you know, 1700 kid, but I gave to those kids. I don't regret one minute that I spent, not one. 
There you go. I mean, that's one of the one of the purposes that you know is good to have as human beings. We leave this place a better place than when we came to it, Amen. and 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 the impact that we can have. You know, there's lots of times where there's been impacts of what I've done when when I've shared stuff. Sometimes that I didn't want to share because it seemed a little too heartfelt, or you know, I, I there's a story I'm sure a lot of my audience has heard ad nauseum, but when my when my dog passed away from a seizure within a half an hour. It was so shocking to me. And and so I bled it out with a half a bottle of vodka onto Facebook on a post. And I sat there for a half an hour looking at it going, I really don't want to post this. This is like too personal. It's it's no one who gives a crap my my you know whatever. And I and then I shared it and went and passed out. And uh, it was amazing to me the impact it's had. There's people that still remember it all these years later. I think it's been seven years now and eight years and people still remember it and it was interesting to me that people because i thought it was kind of selfish too and people wrote me and they're like i cathartically going through what you wrote about in your pain i didn't realize that i hadn't resolved my loss with my father i hadn't clo got closure yet over his death i realized that i got closure with my pet or you know there's all these people that helped and i was like seriously but, you know, being able to help people on our Twitter account, we were really huge on Twitter. We, uh, there were two times where I, I was just posting quotes. In fact, it was an auto feeder. We had a quote thing that was auto feeding quotes into Twitter back in the day. And uh, twice I had people write me and they said that they would plan to commit suicide that day wow. and they were ready to go. And somehow my random quote that had no intention of any of that had turned their life around and they decided to go live their life. I, you know, you've had that a lot in your life, I'm sure. I've had that a lot in life where people pull you aside and you go, and they'll tell you their story about how you helped them. And you're just like, wow, I, it's, it's crazy how, you know, what you do, you know, you, you hope that you put good in the world, but sometimes you don't get the feedback. And I'm sure there's a lot of the stories you and I haven't heard Chris, about. It comes, it comes back tenfold. <clears throat> it comes back mm -hmm. tenfold, right? Like yeah. I, for, for everybody that, that doesn't, you know, do anything at all good mm -hmm. back to you. It comes back. It come. It comes back by people saying good things about you to other people, and that and that just has a ripple effect. I, I tell you what, practicing this for all the time that I have twenty twenty years in my past job, mm -hmm. I had literally to to. I sold very expensive legal services. I mean, very expensive, and to sell them. All I literally needed to do was open my email inbox because mm -hmm. I had so many inbounds of people referring people to me because I had done favors for people that it was overwhelming. I, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't get to all of my emails. That's how it works, right? You put good out into the world and you watch what it comes back. I, I, I kid you not, it comes back tenfold. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have never worried about where my next meal was going to come from ever. I've never worried about how I was going to pay for my home, my five kids, my wife. She stayed home to raise those kids. I, it, and just saying what I've done has worked. And so mm -hmm. if, if you want to read about a guy who lived his life right, I've never cheated on my wife. I've, I've, I've been there for all my kids. I never missed one of their games, never missed a birthday. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy who did things right and I lived an abundant life. And, and what I did was I outlined in the book how I did it, and I, and I made some suggestions about how you can do it as well. Not everything I'm, I did for me is going to work for you. So I, I, I tamp it back, and I say, you know, if taking your kids on these vacations that I did isn't work for you, 
go go to the park. You know, go 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 do something that doesn't cost anything. There, there's things you can do to oh, yeah. be a blessing to your kids in their life. I mean, when I was younger and we didn't have any money, we'd go watch airplanes land at the airport. My kids loved it. We'd go we'd go lay out on the ground and look at the stars. I mean, we just spent time together doing things that didn't cost a lot. I also give the expensive options too, because I've been blessed in my life and I was able to do some nice things for the kids. And I, and I lay some of that out there and, mm -hmm. and those things I did with them are some of the best memories they've had in their lives. I mean, I, I took, took each of my kids on a, on a, a vacation individually and, mm -hmm. and the, the blessings that those trips were for my kids and for me being able to go and explore and, and see things in the world was just wonderful. There you go. You've inspired the hell out of us, Carl. It's been fun to have you on and inspiring. Uh, give us your final thoughts as we go out, pitch on people to buy, order up the book. Look, if, if you if you order up the book, it, it's Carl Grant, How to Live the Abundant Life. It's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Would love to have a review from you. Would love to have your feedback. I, I, I am genuinely interested in hearing from people, you know, Find me on social media and, and send me a note, make a comment. Some of, the, some of the ones I've already received have been so inspiring. It's, it's really nice to hear about how people are dealing with these things in their own lives. And uh, I do care. There you go. Thank you very much, man. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we've changed some lives. That's the whole reason we do the Chris Vaughn Show and share all these stories is hopefully we change some lives and, uh, and uh, share people's stories. Stories of the owner's manual of life, as we always say. So thank you very much, Carl. We really appreciate it. And then and it was your Instagram.com. Did we get that yet? Yeah, Carl.grant.iii. There you go. So thanks for coming on the show, Carl. Thanks to mine for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Chris Foss, one on the TikTokity. Subscribe to the big LinkedIn newsletter and the 130,000 group on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.